so Jay. So Kirsten. It occurred to me when I was uh, brainstorming and doing some basic research from this episode that this was going to be a blast from the past from us, uh, for us, for a couple different reasons. Mm-hmm. The largest one is that uh, I feel like this episode is going to be uh, debating a lot of media ethics. Oh boy, I'm I'm all right. I'm ready for this already. Lay it on me. All right, Jay. How do you feel about controversial, unsanctioned biographies? Uh, very strongly in many different directions. Please tell me more. <laughs> All right, so, uh, today we are going to talk about the 1999 unsanctioned Laz Patillo biography, both much maligned and, um, near-worshipped, depending upon which circle you are in. Yes, we are going to talk about, uh... Men and Images by uh, Nancy Nash Fontaine. This is The Marmoset Chronicles, a personal retrospective, and I am, and will remain, Kirsten. I'd, I'd be surprised if you weren't. I'm Jay. I will probably remain Jay unless uh, I take a different letter of the alphabet as my moniker at some point. How are <laughs> you, Kirsten? I'm good. Time is meaningless. It, it continues to be meaningless. Uh, we're, we're, we're recording this on the first day of July, and I feel like June took about 10 seconds and also took 10 years. Yeah, I, I feel like it was just April, essentially. I, I'm I'm like, what do you mean we're already in the summer? One, because I live adjacent to a tourist area that is not seeing... Well, it is kind of seeing the normal tourist buzz and not enough safety, but, like, it's not quite the same. And then, two, because, yeah, time is fake. I've been working from home. I barely see the sun anymore. What does it even look like? I don't even remember what color it is. Well, anyway. I do encourage you to, at some point, go and see the sun, but I don't encourage you to look directly at it, even if you are uh, curious as to what color it is. You know, today I'll follow that advice. I can't guarantee my actions on any concurrent days, but today I will. Yeah, and, uh... I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, but, but, no matter what happens, I, I have warned you, and so I can't get sued. However, that, you know who could get sued? Would that be the author of Men and Images? Yes, uh, that would be Nancy Nashfontaine, who, uh... Oh boy. The world of unsanctioned biographies is a wild and morally gray place. Yes. Particularly when the person you're writing the unsanctioned biography for is still alive. <laughs> Especially then. I, I I don't know if I've had a lot of exposure to these. I I think I own one on Quentin Tarantino that I have not mm-hmm. ever read. But I, I, I haven't had a lot of exposure to this kind of work. Cause just because it always it always seems like it's going to be completely unreliable to the point of pointlessness. Yes, and uh, a lot of them are. Um, they're not always, but most of the ones that aren't totally unreliable are about like criminals <laughs> or people who are like demonstrably bad people. Like it's a tell-all book about how this person is actually a monster. Or, or they're about like Trump, which just fits into both categories. But, so they're usually, a lot of people really dislike them, uh, and there's a lot of good reasons to dislike them. Um, they are actually kind of hard to get published in this day and age, because people really, really don't want defamation suits. Mm-hmm, yeah. Or they get put out as, like, 
like vaguely made into fiction. I, I I think a lot of the time, like in a weird way, they are sort of seen as long form clickbait, or like yeah. or like a longer form equivalent to those you yeah. know weekly world news bat child headlines where it's like you'll never believe what Margot Martindale said about Margot Robbie. Report reports. I've always wanted to kill her in cold blood because we're both named Margot, and I can be the only one. <laughs> Yeah. Or whatever it is. It's just, it's always stuff, like, whether it is or not content-wise mm-hmm. on that level, it is very often seen like it's gonna be on that level. Yes, and a lot of time it is. I yeah. I also haven't read a whole lot of stuff like this, um, mostly because I, I don't read a lot of biographies, or at least not biographies like this. Right. Um, if I'm gonna read a biography, I, I like it to be kind of a biography with a plot, so kind of talking about a certain point in a person's life or talking about someone who's, you know, famous because they did something. Uh, so, something something more more like a third-person memoir, almost. Um, yeah, so usually about, like, a historical figure, not necessarily about someone who's been alive in the past 50 years. For instance, right, uh, right. Have, you, have you ever read The Devil in the White City? I don't know that one, no. Really, really... Really good, like, long-form creative nonfiction talking about the man who built the Chicago World's Fair and also about H.H. Holmes, the uh, murder house serial killer, who, uh, and they were operating around the same time, and uh, the Chicago World's Fair gave H.H. Holmes access to a lot of his victims. Um, I've heard of this. Okay, I didn't recognize the title, but I've definitely heard of this. So, and this this is this is a very good book uh, because it you know tells both of their stories and kind of points out some of the weird similarities between the two. And you know, there's a there's an arc because it's like okay, this guy's building the world's fair, and on the other hand, it's like this guy's building his murder house, and that's good. And another good one is called the Poisoner's Handbook, which is about the the uh, team of men who started the first, like, forensic lab in New York City during the Prohibition. Uh, but it also talks a lot about old-timey poisons and how to kill people with them, which I think is neat. That does sound really neat. I read one about the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire once that I I, yeah. I believe was loosely biographical about some people who were employed there. But that's, that's really, like, the only one of particular historical value uh-huh. I can think of. That I've read off the top of my head, like I, I just I tend to go a lot more for, you know, memoirs or autobiographies. I, I just like to hear it from the person's mouth. Uh, it's also less weird to hear hear it from the person's mouth. Oh, I, the, the one other exception, and this is a this is a book kind of like mired in some uh, some weird shit. But there's a book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Oh which yes, is, yes, yes. Uh, I've read yeah, that. Yeah, which, which yeah, um, about a black woman in an impoverished area who. Uh, you know, black patients in hospitals were frequently not told a lot of information and treated very poorly. Uh, this woman had cancer and died of it. And then uh, decades later, her family finds out that her cells have been used for, like, cancer research to save all these lives ever since. And mm-hmm. they were never told about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's from the perspective of this journalist who's documenting this. It is hopping between the life of Henrietta when she was alive, the stuff the scientists did with those cells over the ensuing decades Mm -hmm. and the journalist meeting this lady's family and befriending some of them and talking to them about Henrietta and about what they were and were not ever told by the medical community. There's some dubious stuff around how much that family has actually gotten since the book came out, Mm -hmm. which is pretty fucking unfortunate, but uh, it's, it's a fascinating story one way or another and a fascinating way of telling it. 
Absolutely. And we just mentioned three really kind of highbrow pieces of literary nonfiction or long-form literary journalism. And Mm. then there is stuff like what Nancy Nash Fontaine wrote. Men and Images. Men and Images. So I want to get this out of the way right here, right now. Um, Because people are probably hearing that name and the Fontaine bit of it might sound familiar. That's, that is a, this is one of those weird points that you just occasionally get in a fandom where the world gets smaller. And no matter how big the fandom at a period of time is, the family shrinks. Mm -hmm. Um, Listeners might remember that a few episodes ago we talked about Marmocon, whose uh, founders were Lloyd and Joyce Weber Fontaine. Nancy here happens to be the sister of uh, Lloyd Weber Fontaine. And uh, it's... The story goes that Nancy Nash Fontaine got some of the information she got that started her off by, through being Lloyd's uh, sister, attending an early Marmocon and meeting a couple guests from the production of these movies Mm -hmm. who she allegedly befriends and goes down a road of learning more and more about the life of Laz Patillo. Yes. To what actual degree is still very much up for debate. I I wanted to bring that up right up front just because it's such a strange connection that it had to be addressed. Absolutely. Uh, You also do kind of like... Because she she does do some of the work where where she talks about kind of the um, community and fandom that's formed around the movies. Uh, You also get the idea that she really dislikes it and possibly really dislikes her brother. She really does make uh, the fandom sound like a bunch of cultists. Yeah. The... The, the vibe I have always gotten is that um, Lloyd and Joyce were kind of like, um, you know, k- k- kind of like, have you ever seen that video of the world's biggest Ninja Turtles fan from show, <laughs> TV show from the 90s? You know the one I'm talking about? I haven't seen all of it, but I have seen clips of it, yeah. Yeah. Like, like they're more the types of people who would just, you'd go into their house and it would be full of Marmoset Chronicles merchandise and they would just be super enthusiastic about it all the time. Whereas... The author of this book seems on a little bit of a different wavelength from that, where she's a little more, like, I st- still a fan of the thing, but very suspicious of the thing and wanting to analyze to maybe a point of not really doing any good. We can get yeah. into that. But she she is approaching this from a much more, like, what's really going on. Conspiratorial is the word yes. I was looking for. A conspiratorial perspective. So this came out to very high sales and a good amount of scandal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, how do you think is best that we, um, how do you think we should best tackle this? Should we talk about sort of the, what came after the book and then kind of talk about what was in the book? Or should we talk about what, like what she sort of quote unquote exposed in this book and then kind of talk about the ripple effects from it afterwards? I, 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 I think we should probably at least touch on what's in the book first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about how best to do that. So one of one of the biggest allegations in this was, um, it, it, I mean, this happens, and this is not me excusing what might or might not be true. This happens whenever you're talking about a celebrity, as you start to talk about their romantic lives. There's uh-huh. a reason we, there's a reason we talk about like people talk about Brad Jelena or whatever the fuck for a long time. Yes, like, pe- people like to talk about celebrity couples whose lives do not influence you in any way, shape, or form. Yes, um, it, it's one of the strangest 
things about like modern society, honestly. Uh, we live in a society. We live in a society. So there are these allegations that he had had ro- uh, romantic relationships mm-hmm. with a couple costume people, um, <clears throat> and then one that he had uh, had one with Olivia McIntyre who okay. is the woman who plays Isabella, uh, Georgie's mother, um, mm. in, in the movies. Honestly, I have less of a problem with her making that accusation because, like we've said, like we've said, like, there's... There have been plenty of accusations about th- that with, like, Laz Patillo for years because he keeps his private life so quiet. Um, yeah. There, there, there have well, been... Honestly, uh, and I think this is true. There have been there have been rumors that he's been married since like eighty five. That so that was what I yeah there, there have been and that was what I was gonna sort of like get to with this is those rumors have existed and at the same time with this relationship with Olivia McIntyre mm-hmm. in this movie or in the in this book it's alleged that they have a kid somewhere mm-hmm. who is like maybe an actor yeah. in movies now just in a different name who who is this man <laughs> is this the I don't know the true identity of. Adam Driver, perhaps? Who's to say? Oh my god, can you imagine if Adam Driver was Laz Patillo and Olivia Mm -hmm. McIntyre's child? No, only because I know someone who's from the same hometown as Adam Driver. (laughs) Uh, This person and several of her classmates, uh, when Adam Driver got cast as Kylo Ren, she and a bunch of classmates... This, you know, these people didn't even know him because they were like a decade younger than him. They printed out a bunch of just photos of Kylo Ren and memes about him and put them out on the front yard of the guy's parents. It's a real thing. Oh my thing. god. That's incredible. Yeah. But, okay, so confirmed. Anyway. <laughs> confirmed it isn't Adam Driver. Yeah, confirmed. We got one down. One down. Now he's got to go through all the rest of actors that there are and we're set. So, but but what I was saying before is I, I don't necessarily yeah. have a problem problem with somebody making that accusation. Whether or not it's true or moral to make that accusation, we can duke that out later. I do have a problem with kind of like the weird sort of Freudian psycho um, analysis she tries to do because she also kind of digs up a lot of dirty laundry about like Laz's not so great childhood and his not so great relationship with his family and that's uncomfortable I do you know I I do see why so many people had a problem with that to be like ah yes uh, he's having an affair with the woman who played Georgie's mother because he would like to have an affair with his mother and it's like please stop Nancy I don't need to hear your fanfic she literally starts the uh the 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 first chapter of the book on that like the first two lines of this book after the foreword or whatever mm-hmm. are Las Patillo grew up with a mother whose relationship with him could never be put on firm ground because everything would simply liquefy underneath his feet. Decades Ooh. later, he entered a relationship with a woman who he had forced to put on that woman's skin. What Icky. a what a. What a fucking melodramatic way to start a, a thing about how you think he might have had sex with someone, but you don't have proof. I'm shocked this got published, quite honestly. I think it really, like, shows how uh, kind of hungry the world was for more Laz Patillo that <laughs> any, yeah. like, semi-reputable publisher, because it's not a super-reputable publisher, but it is a semi-reputable yeah. publisher, put this thing out. There were a lot of allegations like that. There was a lot of yeah. dirty laundry, um pulled up about 
just sort of Laz as a child, um, and not nece- you know, not re- not really things you kind of want a stranger digging up and putting in a book. Uh, it's kind of uncomfortable. Um, a lot of stuff about yeah his issues with Hollywood execs and exactly what what came from that. She alleges there was like vandalism and mob level hits put out on people. It was. A mess. The whole book is yeah a crazy, crazy ride. Um, and I will give it this: it is an entertaining, crazy ride. Though I don't know if it is a good one. The way she dramatizes, dramatizes the way she dramatizes certain things. Like I, I just mentioned those first couple lines, talking about the stuff from when every every time. Laz, uh, Laz's childhood is brought up. It's with this same drama. I, I think it, it, it's there's this one chapter that starts off with her describing going to what she believes is Laz's hometown in mm-hmm. Missouri and, and just like very dramatically describing what you know in reality is just a fucking street with a CVS on it. Like, huh. <laughs> like d- she, you know. In, like, a Tim Burton movie where, like, someone... You know, the, the, the setting of the town is, like, a high contrast between very idyllic places and very gothic fucked up places. Or, like, the series of Unfortunate Events TV show does yeah. this. Like, she tries to describe his town as being this weirdly Burton-esque, like, impersonation of a town where every... Where, like... Where everyone is either an angel or some sort of devil wearing a coat. But really, it's just a fucking town with, Listen. like, a quarry at the edge of it that Laz Patillo's dad worked at, and his mom was, like, a, a, a piano teacher. Like, they're just fucking people, Nancy. <laughs> but, Jay, everybody knows that the most gothic shit in the world is a CVS at one in the morning. <laughs> I, I I would raise you a Denny's at 2 a.m., but sure. I've never been to a Denny's at 2 a.m., but I have zombie walked myself through through the aisles of a 24-hour CVS yeah. uh, at 1 in the morning, and that that is where you meet God, and, and God tells you to fuck off and go to bed. Um, <laughs> but that is God not, tells you to go the fuck away. But that is not where Glass Patillo met God. Uh... Or no. really where Laz Patillo did much of anything. This is such a giant, messy subject. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. Like, so, she is trying to construct... You know, obviously she didn't get um, Laz Patillo to fucking talk to her. Obviously, no. obviously, she also didn't get anyone super close to him to talk to her. Um, his parents... Uh, his mom was dead. I, I believe his dad was still alive. Maybe his dad was not. No, what, whatever surviving family she was able to find were also not willing to talk. She went about this weird path in this book of trying to construct what she claimed was an accurate picture of who this man was through all these, like, very secondhand accounts. In, in I, I, I'm a little hung up on this part, you know, talking about his hometown, just because I think it's so weird. Because she, like interviews childhood classmates of his who still live in the area. He interviews an old teacher of his. He interviews uh, the guy who ran the diner he, like, waitered at as a teen. Like, it's just this desperate scene. And and so many of them don't have shit to say. Like, yeah, I something, so, like, you know, my, my day job's as a reporter, and something I've gotten really good at, not really good at, something I've gotten better at 
since I started that job just, you know, a few months ago, I'm doing it long, is like figuring out what kind of questions to ask someone to get good answers out of them, you know? And she's either not doing that with these people or she's just getting people who don't actually have any interest in talking to her. She's like... yeah. My vision has always been, like, when she's talking to an old teacher of Laz's, she has ambushed that man out behind school when he is on his way to his car. Like, that. that is the, the impression I get. Yeah, and she really tries to sell this as, like, a, as like this tell-all memoir. This tell-all yeah. biography. But yeah. she doesn't really say anything that we didn't already know. At least not anything with certainty. No. Absolutely fucking not. Like, uh, to me, it just makes me feel... uh, You ever ever hang out with some people who are gossiping about a person you don't know? Yes. And, like, even though you don't... And obviously, you know, you and I know a lot about Laz Patillo, but I I think it still kind of fits the bill here. Even if you don't know that person, you're hearing these two people, maybe they're friends of yours, maybe they're family, saying, like, really foul shit about a relative stranger. And Uh even though that person's a relative stranger, you feel really fucking uncomfortable being there. Maybe a little angry for the person you're hearing them talk about. Yeah. That, That is how this book feels to me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, it, it really, it, it feels very mean-spirited. It, it also, like, there's there's some things that I do think even famous people have the right to not kind of have all sorts of out there. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you know, you don't need to hear about Laz Patillo's childhood if Laz Patillo does not want you to know about it. I, I very much agree, yeah. Uh, I, I know, like, public figures, privacy laws are different, like... This is when I, when, what I meant when I said we might get into some media ethics stuff. Uh, yeah. But like by by nature of being public figures, public figures give up some of their kind of right to privacy. And you know, t- to his eternal chagrin, I think Glass Patillo is a public figure. But that yeah. doesn't mean that it's cool to go, you know, digging up the fact that his older brother died when he was 12. The older brother was 12, not Laz. Laz was much younger than that. Or the fact that, like, the police were called for domestic violence disputes. Or uh, a lot, lots of other things that maybe Laz did not want everyone to know, rightly so. Fuck you, Nancy. Yeah, it, it's... Th- there's a line here. If, you know, if that history includes the person at the core of it, Sexually assaulting someone else, committing yeah, crime, uh, obviously, like, and, yes, anything like that. Obviously, that is a different guy. I, I know that's obvious. I just want to like put it out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y- you do not have right to privacy over the fact that you were an abuser or you were uh-huh. anything else. And you know, I, I say that because this is kind of a topical couple of weeks to bring up that kind of topic. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, if it is just stuff to the tune of personal stuff about, especially about. Here's the thing. A couple of the examples you just gave, the, you know, domestic violence stuff, that is an example of Laz as a victim. Mm -hmm. And so by that metric, this book is, you know, blasting a victim and forcing that victim into the spotlight. He clearly never once had any, like, I, I don't believe for a moment, based on his actions and how he very seldomly has talked about his life, that Laz ever wanted to come out and, like, talk about this no, on pub- in, in fucking public. Like, how could you if you were him? Why yeah. would you? You would want to sort it out however you could in your personal life, d- do whatever you had to do, 
and then probably move on from it. And then, you know, that's very much Laz's M.O. That's why, that's part of why this series of movies exists. Yeah. And so, to then just fucking open the goddamn vault doors... Fuck you, Nancy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially because, like, it's not... Uh, you know, a lot of her sources have been debated. A lot of her... Yeah. Um, so, there, th- so, some of this might not be even entirely accurate, and it, it's it's a very awkward read because of it. And I know a lot of people read it because people are just so desperate for more of this man. Um, sure, yeah. And it came out and people read it and I read it. I've read, I, I didn't read it when I came out because yeah. in 99 I couldn't read, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I read it later in life. Yeah, I, I, did, I did too. And it, you know, there's a couple lawsuits about it. Las Patillo yeah didn't sue but kind of his estate did like the people who yeah held... his estate did yeah he, he was pretty out of the public eye by that point so yeah. like <clears throat> i'm sure he's probably read it and has thoughts on it but yeah the estate did that separately i guess like kind of building off what you said before it, it would almost be more justifiable if this was a book about how laz was a shitty person in some way yeah, uh, exactly. It's really not, other than the fact that it kind of, like, implies that he had, he was, like, he cheated on some people, which, yeah, you know, is, like, obviously you're kind of a shitty person if you do that, but in the grand scheme of things, and maybe that was way more of a shock in 19, in, the, in like, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, it's 2020, <laughs> and I would way rather find out that someone, like, cheated on their wife as opposed to, like, you know... <laughs> we're having a lot more open conversations about those worse things now than yes, we were in 1999. Yes. Exactly. Is the thing. Like, that, you know, it, it was, you, you didn't... I, again, you and I were both tiny children, but from what I understand, those conversations were not being had, at least not in the same way, not to the same degree as, yeah. as they are now. Yeah, and that, that's a good question, too, is do we think this book would have happened now? I don't. I think it would have been a series of tweets on a weird person's Twitter, and that's all it would have Ooh, been. you're totally right. This would have been, or like a, or like a blog or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Someone would have made a. She would have made a WordPress just for this, or, or a YouTube series, or some shit. Yeah. So she could uh, video herself going into that town and staring at that gothic CVS. Gothic CVS. CVS Gothic. The, the... CV. My favorite font. <laughs> <laughs> and this came out, and there, there. This it was interesting for the reaction it garnered and for the lack of reaction it garnered. Yeah. Because you'd think. If Laz is going to have a glorious return to the spotlight, you'd think it would be now, right? Yeah, you'd think it would be in some way in response to this. No, uh, fucking, we're talking about Laz Patillo, possibly the most extra man who lived, uh, excluding RuPaul. Um, he, <laughs> like, I would not be surprised if you were, if, if in a different universe, if you were like, this book came out. Uh, and Laz Patillo spent three years making an allegorical movie just to, A, disprove oh everything, and B, just to say, fuck you, Nancy, one more time. Oh my god, I would love that so much. You'd think that he would do that, though, right? Yeah, no, he absolutely would. I mean, you, you do have to wonder what was his response when he saw this, which he definitely did. I would assume he's read this thing. W- was he already out of the public eye enough that at this point he didn't care? Was he like, yep, 
As far as I'm concerned, I've died. So they can say whatever post-mortem they want to about me. Like, who who knows? I, I, I'm really curious. And, you know, that then you do get, again, to that stuff where who knows how true anything is. Who knows if he really has an illegitimate son who's acting somewhere. Who knows if the, um, the, the whole part about, uh... Mm-hmm. Him getting like in a really bad drunk driving accident with with Sean Connery is true. <laughs> like mm. who who knows about a lot of these things? I feel like if that was true, we would have heard more about it. Just because Sean Connery. Yeah, Peep- Sh- Sean Connery has always just refused to uh, refuse to acknowledge it. Yeah, which, who knows? You know, like that, and, and so that that too um, leads to a thing about this book, which is. Like you said, part of the reason this sold well, part of the reason this did well, was hunger for more of Laz Patillo in some way, shape, or form. Yes. Another thing is that, much like a lot of pseudo-truthful, weird narratives like this book, it is, it reads like a load of bullshit sprinkled with just enough grains of probable possible truth uh-huh. that make you go, well, I guess that could have happened, huh? That it makes you keep reading. Yeah. And it, at least during your reading of it, I, you know, this is that whole, like, in-media-res brain versus out-of-media-res brain, mm-hmm. that while you're reading it, you start to think more things are probable than maybe really are. Yeah, it's, like, it's conspiracy like, theory brain. Sure, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you, you start reading about uh, Flat Earth one day, and next thing you know, that motherfucker's a Frisbee. Always has been. <laughs> That motherfucker's a frisbee. Um, that motherfucker's a frisbee. <laughs> or, or you, no, but it's more like it's more like you know you start reading like conspiracy theories about let's say the JFK assassination, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, you yeah. know, maybe this seems pretty plausible, and then yeah, you basically prove slippery slope by like two weeks later, you're catching yourself thinking things like, was the moon landing fake? And then you're like, I need to stop reading conspiracy theories. Or you don't have that thought, and then you start believing Flat Earth. <laughs> Certainly one of the two. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I and, and I, I think it's, it's interesting to me that a book like this can get you into that same brain space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I, it might not be too far out to say that that Our Lady Nancy here had, you know, had a lot of that way of thinking herself. Like, I, I would imagine yeah. you probably have to be in that mindset or very easily susceptible to that mindset in order to write this. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, and, and who knows what that says for how far things have been embellished in this. You know, like, how many... Th- there might be entire people made up... Like, the, the number of times in this book that she refers to a source who did not want to be identified by yes. name... Yes. Is like, well, all right, Nancy, are these people real, real? Or have you have you fabricated them like you probably believe Stanley Kubrick fabricated the moon landing? Wait, okay. So, I'm going... Can, can I... I just had... I'm going to take us off on a slight side road for are, a moment. Are we are we about to go on a tangent about Stanley Kubrick faking no, no, the moon no, no, landing? No, 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 no. We're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> t- this is still about the, this book. Ah, shucks. All right, fine. Let's... I want to say out loud what I think the most likely and least likely thing in this book is. Okay. And then maybe one thing that's kind of in the center. And then if sure, you feel like you it. can, uh, perhaps you could do the same thing. I would love to. I think the most likely thing in this book is that Laz Patillo has had some very complicated relationships with women and possibly at some point uh, slept with an actress he hired. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's probably pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. I think I the agree. I think the least accurate is like the supposed mob hit that a studio exec put out on Patillo where he they where they like they like hired a guy to try to break his legs but he like lost them on a subway car. <laughs> yeah, that that that's an interesting one. I that that's that's interesting. In my mind, that moment is one of those ones that I was talking about where someone might read that and go, huh, that could be true. I know this guy has always had a complicated relationship with the studio. And like, like th- that's one of those things where I agree with you that's bullshit, but I can see where you would read that and attach that to what you know about Laz's difficult relationship mm. with studio execs and make a connection in your head. And, you know... I say that, and I just had a thought where it's like, well, it's 2020. We know that, like, Hollywood gets up to some sketchy fucking shit. Who knows? Maybe that is true. But I yeah. do think it's one of the least, the, the less likely things in the book. Um, the, um, the one I think is directly in the middle is that um, uh, at a, a party in, like, right after the last Marmoset Chronicles came out, Laz Patillo got very drunk and spilled an entire bowl of marinara sauce on Keanu Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't care if that's true or not. It's true to me. Just because, like, imagine, like, because Keanu Reeves wasn't that old in the 90s. Imagine just, like, young Keanu Reeves sitting there and Laz Patillo comes over and spills an entire bowl of marinara sauce in your life. Keanu Reeves is new at that point. (laughs) And, like, I I also, I'll put that in the middle because I think that isn't completely harmless even if it is made up. Uh, So that's something (laughs) that I I might just choose to believe even though I know it's probably (laughs) bullshit. Right. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't know if you've read the book recently enough to also do something like that. Uh, I, most you know, I, I, right in the middle. I, I can, here's what comes to mind just from our conversations. I think most likely for me, I would say I tie this with yours, okay. um, is that, you know, m- m- much in the same vein as what you said about complicated relationships with women. I think it is also very likely that he had a very troubled childhood. Okay. I don't want to necessarily add the, you know, the, the the allegations of abuse or lack thereof to that only because I don't want to say I support stuff that there's no proof for at this time, yeah. but at the same time. Like, it since, you know, it, it's a gray area thing. I, I think the idea that he had a very troubled relationship with his parents, especially his mom, yes, absolutely. Just from what we do know about him and about, you know, you know how I feel about Diagnosis Aquamarine. There's a lot yes. in there. Yes. The one I would put as least likely off the top of the dome, there's this uh, part in the book where there are some claims made about, uh, about drug abuse with Laz. And that, you know, that inherently is not the least likely thing at all. I think, I think, sure. What I think, there's, the, there's this whole part where she describes this weekend that Laz allegedly had okay. where he took peyote, drove to Colorado... Um, supposedly, like, supposedly tried to climb a mountain while high on peyote with his friend, uh, was found by a park ranger, allegedly stole the park ranger's, uh, like, jeep or whatever to get out of there, and, and wound up, like, found 
passed out in an IHOP <laughs> like a two days later in Colorado Springs. You think and that's less likely than the mob hit? I actually do. <laughs> Here's why. I this was this supposedly happened shortly before the last movie was made, and by that point. Laz Batillo had so many people who were probably, like, worried about him and cared about not making sure he didn't fucking die that I don't believe he would have wound up doing that by himself without someone to stop him. Maybe I'm being naive there, but that that's... Yeah, I, I that's feel like fair. by that point he has, like, some people in his life who care about him enough to, like, at least stick around with him while he does peyote and make sure he doesn't drive all the way to Colorado. Also, it alleges that he drove all the way from California to Colorado while on peyote. <laughs> I have never done peyote, but I imagine that would be a difficult feat to accomplish. Um... My drug knowledge is not up to snuff. Ha! Uh, Peyote's a hallucinogen, right? Peyote? You ever seen the Simpsons episode where no, Homer I, I, takes... I have not. I have not watched okay. The Simpsons. Alright, so, sorry it doesn't have cool space politics, so it's not for you and your snooty Star Trek days. No, I just I just missed it. I'll get no, to no, it no. one day. I kid, but no, pe peyote's like, like a like a drug you take to like go on a spiritual journey. It's that kind of shit. I see. Uh, I've not done peyote. I have done a hallucinogenic, and you're not driving anywhere on a hallucinogenic. No, no, you're not. Um, I I guess, I guess that's more is just like the, I I guess the reason why that's my my least likely is like at least with the mob hit thing. Like I said, that's a conspiracy theory brain thing enough that I can see how she found some shit she might have thought was true and just connected a bunch of dots. This is a way, like, wilder, more random story to me. I, I hate to use the word random because the internet's ruined that word forever. Uh -huh. But this story just feels way more random and out of nowhere. It's just like, sure, fuck it. Here's a few things that might be true and here's how we can... It, it, just, it just feels like a shrug, uh -huh. you know? It's not even like um, it's not even like interestingly made up. It's just made up. Yeah, and then right in the middle, I'd put the idea that he might have a child, an illegitimate child. Yeah. Whether or not it's with Olivia McIntyre or not, just just someone. Uh, or maybe maybe like he is married and his wife and child are with him in the Latvian wilderness. Enjoying. I, I think that's totally possible. I, or. You know, I am surprised, I, I was about to say I'm surprised about this, but also, like, I'm kind of not surprised about this because it came out in 99. The only thing that this book doesn't mm -hmm. do is, like, accuse, is, like, uh, say that Laz is gay, or, <laughs> really, like, right? Like, the only, the only, yeah, which, as, as, you know, a prominent, like, male celebrity who was not known for outwardly dating, it would be pretty easy to make that accusation. Uh, but. Yeah, it, it would, and, like. I, I feel like that kind of reflects the, anytime the idea of a particularly queer reading of the Marmoset Chronicles has come up in conversation on this podcast, mm -hmm. we've both kind of been like, huh, that's interesting, but probably not it for this guy. And, you know, maybe he secretly is gay, and this uh -huh. is, you know, m me accidentally leaning into stereotypes, and I apologize if it is, but, like, he is someone who I think relatively few people have ever questioned the sexuality of for yeah. whatever reason. And... Honestly, like, I, I find that more more than, like, a lot of times if you try, if you a attempt to kind of use queer theory in, in talking about these movies, you kind of end up, like, it doesn't really add anything. Hmm. 
Just because, and I, I think that's more because so much of it is, like, Georgie not talking to people. And, yeah, I, I, yeah. And when you do try to do a, um, a queer reading of it, it kind of turns into a gender reading and turns into about, and more into about, like, all the ways men don't talk to each other, as opposed to, you know, any kind of uh, non-heterosexual vibes. Um, yeah, I, I, I was gonna say that, and just the fact that, like, you know, it, in the same breath as you could easily say Laz was very rarely seen with women, Laz was very rarely seen with fucking anyone. Like, yeah. la- th- that's the thing, is, like, it's difficult to really do an adequate queer reading of a man like that, because regardless of the truth of how he leans, gender, sexuality, anything-wise, th- that just feels like trying to pull open a door that he's holding shut from the other side. Yeah. Whatever the answer is, that is not for you to know. And that is why the, you know, the relationship stuff comes into this book, because this whole fucking book is this woman trying to find things about Laz that are not ours to know. Yes. And, uh, it's been... I think I've I've made it clear that I have a certain amount of disdain for this kind of writing. Uh, yeah. I think this kind of writing gives, like, literary journalism kind of a bad name. There's plenty of good and ethical ways you can approach writing about a living human being. Uh, this is not one of them. And, uh, I... I'm very glad this woman hasn't really done anything else. A lot of people who write books like this, they either, there's no middle ground. They either make a career out of it or they do one and they fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. And she definitely was the latter camp. She did this thing, was sued by Laz's estate at least once, maybe twice on different grounds. I forget. And uh, then kicked back, flipped into oblivion. If I remember correctly, there was one suit for invasion of privacy that did not go through because it's really, really incredibly difficult to successfully sue someone for invasion of privacy, especially if they're a public figure. Uh, the other one was a defamation suit that I do believe they won. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, they definitely did win at least one. I remember uh, that making some... Uh, some headlines. Yes, I think they won the defamation suit and not the invasion of privacy suit. If you ever want to get down an interesting rabbit hole, any kind of, like, privacy laws mm-hmm. are very get, get very interesting and muddled, and uh, there's lots of fun, fun legal things you can read about if you're into fun legal things. Oh, that, you know what? I am not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I actually am. That sounds pretty interesting. Huh. Uh, Kirsten, have we said everything we need to say about this uh, fucking book? Do you have anything else to say? I think I've I've said I've kind of said my piece about it. Yeah, I, I think I have too. I think we've touched on it a couple of times. We're really like it all just comes down to again, this is if this had been a tell all of some really heinous shit that like Laz had did, if this had been, you know, like a precursor to what we've seen in the last few years of people speaking up about abuse among celebrities, mm-hmm. that would be one thing. But it's really not that. It's really just... And, and that's, you know, what you, you mentioned um, it being surprising that she doesn't try to prove that he's gay. It, it's maybe just as surprising that she doesn't really try and, you know, like, like find allegations of abuse by Laz that much. She, she a little bit does with Olivia McIntyre and with the whole kid thing. Mm-hmm. But even then, it, it's only to the extent of, like... When she was pregnant, he was kind of an asshole about it. Gave her a bunch of money to help with the kid, and 
told her to leave. Like, that was kind of the extent of it. Which isn't to say that that's not a bad thing to do. It is a bad thing to do. But it's more that the she like the author does not even spend much time on it. And that actually, like, that kind of surprises me, to be honest. I don't know if it was just, like, not really... Although, you know, this is, like, right after, you know, a president got impeached for sleeping with interns. She was an intern, right? Uh, sure. So much has happened since Bill fucking Clinton. <laughs> Every You could argue that modern politics are kind of Bill Clinton's fault. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, we, Kirsten, we're at minute 55 of a podcast. We can't go down this road, but yes. Listen... For a lot of reasons. I, I think I think so for different reasons than you think so. But, yeah, this is not a a podcast about politics. Thank God! <laughs> this is not a podcast about how Bill Clinton's uh, campaign running techniques ruined the modern America election. Kirsten, what this podcast is about right now is ending it. Where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Kirsten M. Writes. Uh, on Twitter, I say things occasionally. You can also find me on Instagram at Kirsten Meehan Writes, where I say things slightly less occasionally, and I talk more about, like, books and writing and, um, other stuff that I do. That's really all I do. I'm sort of an internet ghost. Jay, you're not an internet ghost. Where can they find you? I, I prefer internet boggart, thank you very much. And you can, uh, you can... You can find this internet bogger haunting your cupboards at uh, Twitter at Extreme Salsing. Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd at uh, also Extreme Salsing, where you'll see my fun movie takes. Uh, I don't know what am I even watching lately. It's been a lot of it's been a lot of like slightly less mainstream anime films, which has been kind of fun. I also just watched The Hidden Fortress finally. You know what uh, I was made to watch this weekend? Oh, uh, what were you made to watch? Trolls Two, like the animated one. Why? Um, cause I was on vacation and it was raining and one of my friends was like, this is kind of a fun movie and made us watch it. I'm going to guess your friend lied to you. Um, I, you know, when it comes to kids movies, I've seen worse kids movies, but it's very much That's for fair. children and I'd rather not watch it. That's fair. <laughs> you can also find me on uh, YouTube at Hi, I'm Jay. You can also find a bunch more podcasts on the Orange Groves Podcast Network, which we are as always a part of. Um, join the Discord. Look through its 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 hallowed halls. Go to theorangegroves.com and uh, find some more podcasts that are your new favorite podcast, other than ours, which is clearly already your favorite podcast. Yeah! And as always, uh... Have a great day, guys. This this podcast does not count as an authorized biography of Kirsten or me or... Laz. Don't sue us, Laz! Don't sue us! Don't sue us, Laz! Don't sue us, Laz! Don't sue us, Laz! Bye, guys! Don't sue us, Laz! Please don't sue us! I don't have the nurse report! My one time during jury jury to be <laughs> That's just true. And we're done.